morning. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we pray now that you would open your word to us and that you would speak to our hearts, that we might know more of you this morning and that we might see more, something more that you want for us as a church and that you might lead us forward this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. It uh, strikes me that um, this sermon series is, um, for some of us, a little bit like learning a new language, some of the words that we've been using and some of the subjects that we've been looking at. It's a little bit like learning a new language and using a new language. And um, that can be a little bit frustrating and uh, a bit confusing at times. And so I thought we'd start this morning just to um, get us in the, in the mood, if you like, with um, a few funnies that I found on the internet of signs where people have, in different parts of the world, translated what they needed to say to customers in various places into English. And um, you'll see that the results are quite amusing. There's um, one that sign was found in a hotel lift in Paris and it read, please leave your values at the front desk. Or a sign in reception in a hotel in Bucharest which informed the people that the lift is being fixed for the next day. During that time we regret that you will be unbearable. <laughs> or the menu of a Swiss restaurant which told its customers, our wines leave you nothing to hope for. <laughs> There are lots, so I'm going to just share a couple more. Um, there's the Swiss, the Swiss Mountain Cafe, which um, said that the special today was no ice cream. And finally, the airline ticket office in uh, to Copenhagen, which boasted, we take your bags and send them in all directions. <laughs> Wouldn't fill you with much confidence, would it? But back to the matter in hand for this morning. Our subject today is leadership, reimagining leadership, and what that means in the context of a changing church. And we continue this morning to base what's being shared on Phil Potter's book, The Challenge of Change. And my hope this morning is that we'll be able to see leadership in a broad way, broadly enough to allow each of us to see where we might fit or be encouraged to fit and put our gifts to good use. And so therefore, from the outset, I encourage each of us to see the word leadership not as something applying simply to someone or a small group of people who traditionally had oversight over the rest, such as the vicar, but as a role many of us enter into in different ways and at different times and one which all of us are required to actively support with our gifts and skills. And so this morning, we begin with a look at Joshua. And I'd really encourage, I'm sure many of you have done, but if you haven't, then I'd encourage you to read the whole of his story, because today we just get a snapshot. But just from this chapter, 
we are able to see the following things about him and his ministry. We see that time when he is called upon to lead the people from a place of desert and difficulty into a time and a place of abundance and promise. Firstly, we see that Joshua learnt from the past. In the book of Numbers, we see Moses was in a similar situation, wanting to go into the promised land. And Moses, in that situation, chose to send 12 people, all official leaders, into the land of Canaan, ahead of the people, to act as spies, to see how the land lay and to see the situation and to feed back. And the negativity which all of them returned with, apart from two of them, had a very negative impact on the people. So much so that they didn't go on any further and they remained camped out on the banks of the River Jordan instead of crossing. So Joshua chooses to do things differently. He sends two. He learns from the mistakes of the past and he adapts and shapes what he does for this situation. Secondly, we see that Joshua was obedient. He was someone who heard from God and had the courage to follow. Phil Potter, in his book, gives one definition of a leader as being a person with a magnet in his heart and a compass in his hand. In other words, leadership is about having vision and the ability to sense where the Spirit of God is moving. Most of us are like Thomas after the death of Jesus who refused to believe he was alive until we were able to, he was able to put his fingers where the nails were. We want to experience something tangible, most of us, before we're ready to believe in it and commit ourselves to it. It seems to be something of human nature. But we have a God who wants us to be willing to see things through the eyes of faith, seeing with the heart far before we get to see things physically. And we need to pray that God will help us to do that in a time of change and development. We need God's strength and help to be able to do that. Thirdly, we see that Joshua chose the right people for the right jobs. Not 12, as had been the pattern in the past, which many people may have just copied. Not official leaders, but two people who would be able to go into that new place and not be intimidated by the size of what was to come or the the scale of the enemy. And also we see how Joshua doesn't go it alone. He shares the task in hand with those around him and we see in the, in the reading that we heard the people that he involved and the way he used people. He recognises that he needs the gifts and the skills of those he journeys with, that he can't do it on his own. And of course, traditional models of leadership in our church today are just as valid as they ever were. But a change in the shape of our church requires a change in the shape of leadership, one which is collaborative and shared 
and releases people into the places that God needs them to be, into the places where God can use them for the good of the whole community. And finally, we see in Joshua's story how he doesn't give up. This was a hard and challenging time for the people of God. To enable them to live in the fullness of what had been promised, they had to endure a long and painful journey in more ways than one. But Joshua remains throughout that time focused on God. He stays obedient. He remains in that place where he can listen and he can do as God is asking him. He keeps his eyes on the prize. And I'm sure that at times that was a really lonely and frustrating place to be, seeing with his heart long before actually the reality came into being. And so it can be with those who are in leadership in churches today, and we need to be aware of that. So how can, as a church, we be encouraged to increasingly be more like Joshua as a church as we journey into the future in a changing world. Well, continuing with what we've been learning from Phil Potter in his book, he gives us five helpful images to help us think about what leadership and ministry might need to look like in the future. And I want to share them with us this morning And um, they're really helpful if, like me, you're a visual kind of thinker because they give us images to look at and see as we try to imagine how church can be shaped increasingly for mission. So the first one is encouraging us to think about moving from restructuring to reimagining. And this image comes from George Lings, who is an expert on um, mission and church leadership. And he suggests an image of divers and surfers. And he believes that in the church today, we need to be like surfers. And we need people who are willing and leaders who are willing to learn how to surf. And that's um, a difficult thing if you've ever tried it. And he says that in churches, we can imagine that often mission has been like the swimming pool. We've encouraged people to come and we've done it in the swimming pool, the safety of the church building. But actually, we need to be encouraged to go down to the beach, where here things are more unpredictable, and we need to be willing to catch and to ride the wave of what God is doing, and to go where the move of his spirit is taking us. And we need people to be courageous and encouraged to have a go at that. And so for us, there's maybe the thought that how could we be more courageous and go down to where the people are? Could we nurture church for colleagues or friends or family over lunch? Or maybe around a common interest. We've heard about the walking group that's been set up. Something that works with where people are. Secondly, There's a second image that's shared, which is that of a sea and covered with rafts with people on them. And historically, generally speaking, the church would have seen its role as a lighthouse and where it encouraged people to come to a solid ground and a firm foundation 
and it would have guided people back to land and the solid ground of faith. But now our world has changed so much and the people's perception of church as well. And for centuries, people have been guided towards the safety and stability of a strong and recognised church. But now things are far more uncertain and changing. And many people, almost life is more like this, that they're attempting to live on rafts of their own making, sailing through life precariously and resting on a sea of doubts and hunches and uncertainties. And that's how it might feel for some people. And some people still see the role of the church as being able to just attract people back to land. And that's a wonderful thing. But the problem is for some that actually the fog of all this uncertainty and culture is that they can't actually see the lighthouse or the land and they're a bit stuck out on the sea. And so there's the call and the challenge, again, for us as Christians to be out where the people are. And again, that's a more precarious place for us to be, to attach to groups and networks who are floating around and to help them find security and safety and hope and light there where they are. And that's still with the hope that they might be drawn back to solid ground, but actually that we're doing it there as well and providing security there. So the question for us, how can we attach ourselves, befriend or look to meet the needs of the people and the groups of networks who are all at sea? People who really need the church to journey out to find them. If you uh, take hold of a spider and um, you cut its head off, the spider will die. But um, did you know that with a starfish, I didn't know this, but you can chop its legs off and not only will it survive, but also the starfish will, there'll be another starfish that will grow from those bits that you chop off. Actually, the starfish will continue to live and will grow. And that actually is another image which we're given here, that it's about releasing and reproducing what we do. And releasing, of course, involves risk-taking, a shared, collaborative way of being. And it's often a huge shift for people in church, and it's quite a daunting task for us. But Potter, in his book, says that we need to be releasing people into ministry constantly to just be really focused on allowing people to be in ministry and to grow, and for them, in turn, to be releasing others into ministry. It's a constant process. And it mustn't be a case of just sort of out of sight, out of mind, but actually the way it works is that people are released into ministry, but they're nurtured and mentored so that they feel confident to be doing what they're doing. And so a question for us, how can each one of us make ourselves more available to be released into ministry and willing to play our God-given part and to help others do the same. Next image is thinking about the comparisons of an orchestra compared to a jazz band. And um, orchestras, as many of you will know, are 
really strongly structured and tightly led, and that's what's their success. Each person plays exactly what they're asked to play, and the overall piece is pulled together by the conductor. And in the past, many well-led churches have been traditionally handled like orchestras. The leader has a clear idea and a plan and a structure and a specific list of ministries and what's happening and when and has a very clear idea of how to conduct and to hold all those things together. But on the other hand, Potter suggests that actually there's a need for church to be more like a jazz band if we want to be mission-shaped, where there's greater flexibility and freedom. There's improvisation of gifts, and that's allowed and encouraged, and those gifts and skills are there to shape and to fit the context. And it's a place where it's more creative and flexible and responsive to the Spirit of God. And so the question for us with this image is, how can we each take responsibility for the things that God is calling us to do and not be waiting and expecting that actually we can only do those things when we're told to do them. And finally, the last image encourages us to see church and leadership and the way that it operates as moving from controlling to cultivating And uh, a man called Tim Elmore, he wrote an article about a healthy church and and what makes a healthy church. And he suggested that styles of leadership within churches can enable people to better be released and have a greater freedom in ministry. And he talks about this image of the garden, a mission-shaped church being like the garden, and it's tended by leadership, which is like a gardener and gardeners are there to create a place where creativity can happen and where people can thrive and grow and they nurture the environment where this can happen a church where the soil is clear of weeds and the soil is cultivated and fed so that a community is free to grow and flourish and so those questions for us within this image How can we each create a community of creative cultivation where people can thrive and grow? And what do we maybe need to let go of where it's been traditionally more controlled and actually this is about greater freedom? What needs to change in our hearts so that we can move on from that? So there we have it. The example of Joshua to inspire us and some images of church and of leadership and how we can be mission shaped and I pray that we can each be committed to be a part of this church where we are increasingly like that and that we'll each have the courage and desire to play our part in what God is leading us into and what he's asking us to do So let's be open to hear from God today and in the weeks ahead to ask his Holy Spirit to speak clearly into our hearts and to give us the much needed strength to be able to act on it. Amen.